Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast. The podcast is technically late. Mm. However, given that time is effectively a disposable concept now, what are you, what's everyone worrying about? I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, I mean, time is absolutely a relative concept at the moment. I don't even know what day it is. You don't even know what day it is, listeners. So let's not pretend that this matters anymore. We're still sorry for being late, but, you know, and I hope oh, yeah, it doesn't put yeah. too much of a wreck in, in your week that doesn't have any structure. But I know some people are still listening. We've had some very nice messages from people who are still saying, I've still got to go to work, so thanks very much for keeping on going. So I'm sorry Indeed. if you've put a wreck in your, in your Tuesday, but uh, this is what we've been up to. I am Lee, as, as I think you know, and over there is... Josh, still, yeah. Any better this week in the lockdown, Josh? I noticed you discovered a nature reserve near your house you never knew that existed. Yeah, well, I've only been here seven years, so you know. It shows you how much you've been out for a walk, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I've been out. I think I've been out for lots of walks, but I just was like, "Oh, what's that?" And then I went over, sort of through this little fancy bit, and I was like, "Oh, there's this weird pastoral paradise." When I've been fucking pounding the not very nice streets of Longwell Green, with loads of lads in there drinking cans. Uh, when I went through it today, uh, there was a nice group of uh, young people smoking the wacky back. So you know, everybody, you know, they've got to go out of the house to do that. That's, yeah, know, not unless they live in a very in a certain kind of house, I guess. Well, indeed, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still in work. I had Monday off because I worked Saturday, 
So I had Monday off. So technically, because I had Monday off, of course, I know all your listeners are going, well, why the fuck couldn't you put a podcast out then? You obviously were busy. <laughs> it's because, honestly, That's God, the fucking point, sure. I had to literally lift my head, my brain out of my head for about 24 hours and put it in a nice <laughs> soothing balm. And put it in an ointment and then put it back in again and go and and off and we go again. We lift again, lads. Last 10, heads up. So that's basically what my working life is right now. So... So anyway, I, think, I think we can all forgive you, to be honest. If you want to tell us and what's also, happening, go on. Times are relevant, who cares? Yeah. So if you want to tell us what, what you're doing with this irrelevant time you've got in your hands, you can get in touch with me yeah. at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com or the Patreon messages or the DM, all that stuff. What about you, Josh? At Josh Gardner, innit? At Josh Gardner, space in it, comma in it. In it. Not yeah. at Josh Gardner in it, although. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That's. Let's not let's not confuse them. Let's I mean, not do realistically, that, no. everybody knows now. Yes. Know, if you listen to this, you know. It shows you were into Twitter early because you got your name without having to add numbers. I did. Uh, I, it, it remains one of my proudest achievements, frankly, <laughs> is that I joined early enough to not have to have some sort of weird bastardization of my name. Not like something like the Enigma code after your name yes. and numbers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nobody needs that. We're on Acast, we're on iTunes, all that stuff. We're also on Patreon.com slash blood and mud and i've just realized that with all this extra time we had i forgot to look if anyone's joined the vip lounge i will get to you next week if you have believe me how incredibly grateful we are i'm just not right we are i'm just not so grateful that i've I've remembered to get your names so um but don't don't let that worry you we're very very grateful as we are to everybody who gives us their support in these difficult times in these difficult times yes indeed shall we start with a player spotted as we have a penchant for doing Yes. Now, this is a bit of a... Evan Quick has emailed me on the Patreon thing. Uh, and it's a bit of a deluxe player spotted this, tinged with a little bit of... Well, I'll, I'll let you read it out. Now, I've let him jump the queue with this one because I think it was worth doing. Um, he says, right. I are both. For a start, he says, hello both, not just hello Lee, which is what they normally do. Which, you know, I mean, it's nice to feel a little bit included in these things sometimes, yes. you know? He said, I hope you and yours are keeping safe. He said, you'll have to bear with me with this message as it contains a player spotted and a sort of shit good. He said, player spotted. During the lockdown, me and a few close mates have started doing a quiz over Zoom every Saturday night. And sort of like Eurovision, whoever wins takes turns in hosting it. You get the gist, yep. Mm -hmm. However, this Saturday, we had a special guest joining in for the first round, which was a dinosaur round, if you were wondering. I wasn't, but sounds good. How many dinosaurs do you know, Josh? I mean, I know all the big ones. No, I know the big three: know. Tyrannosaurus, Stegosaurus, <clears throat> Triceratops. That's good. That's the big yeah. three, isn't it? Yeah. There's uh, there's Brachiosaurus, Brachiosaurus, is it something called? Uh, there's the uh, Diplodocus. Diplodocus. There's the Pterodactyl, the Pterodon. Yeah, I could never tell the, the difference is... between them two. I thought they just changed names. I think they might have just like changed Marathon names. and Snickers. There was a lot of, around about the eighties. There was a lot of reclassifying, like sort of giving dinosaurs slightly different names. So I'm pretty sure the Brontosaurus and the Brachiosaur are the same dinosaur. I could be absolutely fucking talking bollocks here, but yeah, it feels it feels like there was some rebranding that went on around about the sort of nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety three territory. Which, to be fair, there was a lot of rebranding going on at that point. There was a lot of Culture. rebranding. It must be said, and. Of course, then when, when Jurassic Park opened and came into our lives, <laughs> yeah, we obviously had the big ones in that, Triceratops, you know, it was a dead yeah. one. 
or an yeah. injured one. And then, but of course, the Velociraptor, which I don't know about you, no fucker had ever heard of the Velociraptor, had they? No, until they became, you know, nature's greatest monster, you know. Yeah, probably unfairly, probably like, you know, the great white shark in Jaws. Unfairly pictured as shithouses, prehistoric (laughs) shithouses. Yeah, I read something that apparently they, they were quite, you know, they weren't like, you know, ruthless fucking gangs of yobs. As, as depicted in uh, in Jurassic Park, and they were probably just like dudes that ate dead dudes. Discriminated know. against, see? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that brilliant bit in um, Dogma, when Chris Rock is the... As the, as the as well. <laughs> well, why are you not in the Bible? Because I'm a black man. It's a bit <laughs> like that, I imagine, for, uh, for Velociraptors. I can confirm that uh, Brachiosaurus and Brontosaurus are two different types of dinosaurs. Isn't the Brachiosaur a bit like a T-Rex? It's like a bit of a scary one. Uh, no, Brachiosaur is... They basically look exactly the same. Big long neck, big tail. Right. So, but, I mean, yeah. I think the Brachiosaurus is bigger than the Brontosaurus, maybe. Here we go, 15 tonnes. <laughs> versus... 58 tons, fair play. Fair to I mean, <laughs> woof. That's, woof. A, that's a kind <laughs> of Ben Tamafuna, Andy Titterell division <laughs> in the front row, isn't it? Let's be honest. Indeed. So if the British Lions were touring tomorrow, which 15 dinosaurs would you choose to be? <laughs> More interesting than any of the... Uh, less, I mean, come on. Oh, come on. Literally, throw Ooh. the fucking towel in, lads, if you've got to Lion selections already. Chuck yeah. the towel in. Furlough, journalist furlough thyself. Anyway, back with Evan. Sorry, Evan. There was a dinosaur around. He says, anyway, the person who came in to be a guest on the quiz was none other than former Wasser England scrum half and current captain on Question of Sport, Matt Dawson. He says, hang on, I see, I sent you on, so the listeners can sense your sharp intake of breath. (laughs) He says, to be fair, he was good value, and he even trolled us Welsh lot by wearing his England World Cup winning shirt while on the Zoom. After one of the lads had dressed up in full Welsh gear with fluffy sheep and dragons, score 30 to 3 written on his young son's blackboard behind him. (laughs) So to be fair, to be fair, he got stuck in. What I don't understand is... Uh And you're not explained it, Evan, and maybe you can't. How do you know Matt Dawson, and how did he get invited into a Zoom conversation? Although Zoom is very insecure. If you've got if you've got a code, you can just randomly oh, join yeah, in. Any, anybody can get in anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's not good, is it? Like, I mean, well, it is good, but it's like, I mean, as a, as a, as an anecdote, you've left a very very important part. Yeah, there's a bit of a, there's a gaping hole in it. Evan, there's, isn't there? <laughs> Yeah, there is a Mao in the middle of this story <laughs> that explains how the fuck Matt Dawson ended up on your, your Zoom who chat. Who knows who and how is what I want to know. Anyway, yeah. he then goes on with his shit good, Evan, and he says, and he says, and this is, this is and I, you know, I want to throw out all the support we can to Evan. He says, shit, he's, my mum's got a terminal illness at the minute and, we, and we're unable to help and my dad's looking after her due to the COVID-19. Evan, that is terrible. And I hope yeah. that your session with Matt Dawson and whatever else we can bring you and all your friends and family can bring you will help you out. He says, but however, he Absolutely. does say, good is the wider rugby community taking their time out to send video messages to my dad as a pick-me-up during this time. He's had messages oh, from the likes of Sam Warburton, Scott Quinnell, Yian Evans, Robbie Hunter-Paul, Sonny Bill Williams, Sean Edwards, and even Bobby Goulding. It made him smile, which was the main thing. 
I mean, where did you find Bobby Gilded, Evan? I mean, that's really... I, I didn't think he was big in the social media world, Bobby. So, um, <laughs> fair play to I'm you. I'm going to look him up on Twitter now. Um, former St. Helens scrum half and Great Britain Rugby League scrum half, Bobby Gilding, who... You know, I'm, yeah, he's Gilding, he is Gilding 7 on Twitter. Yeah. Fair play. Good player in his time. He's got 16,000 followers. Well, I hope your dad and everybody else and your mum is getting as much comfort Indeed. as they can, Evan. And um, I'm sorry that we kiboshed your player spotted by saying there's a big hole in it. I'm, I'm hijacking it. And also it talking a, about dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, for a good much, 10 minutes. Then, frankly, to ramble about dinosaurs. So, yeah. Shall if we... you've listened to us before, you're not surprised by any of this, let's be honest. All the best to you and yours, Evan. And Indeed, all the best definitely. to everybody's, yours and you as well. Because it's a funny old time, isn't it? It's a strange it's old time. It's a weird time, mate. I'll tell you what. I'm opening every it's... email I'm sending with. Strange old time, isn't it, eh? Yeah, I, I I I I spent the last sort of three weeks going down the hope you're okay in these peculiar yes. strange times, and then yes. I just gone. You know what? I'm going to stop doing that now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Anyway, should we do some news? Yes, I mean again, not a brilliant load of news this week because nothing's happened, but some stuff has happened. Some stuff. So, James, this is an interesting one. James Cronin. He of yeah. monster front row personage. Got caught taking, I can't remember which two, they both began with P, but some shit he shouldn't have been taking, basically. Yes. I always make the it's joke, but people get caught and they go, I didn't do this, I've got no idea what's going on. I always make the joke, I always make the observation that everybody says it's accepted that everybody takes drugs, but only innocent people get caught. Isn't that always a strange thing? But yes. it seems that this guy has genuinely accepted he was completely innocent because... He got given the wrong pills by the chemist. Yeah, he he had a he had a, a prescription from his doctor, and he got the wrong medication from the chemist, which contained prednisolone and prednisone, whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and he's but he's still been banned for a month. He's been banned which... for a month because they said he accepted it. None of it was his fault. However, yeah. some of it was his fault because he still swallowed the pills. Which is a little bit like being found guilty for fucking having your drink spiked, isn't it? Yes, but I thought yeah. I was drinking orange juice. Yes, but it had something horrible in it. Drank. Yeah. It, had, it had ecstasy in it. Yeah, but I didn't know it had ecstasy in it. I just thought I was drinking orange juice. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. You're still yeah, responsible like... for taking ecstasy. How How in the name of yeah. Christ am I responsible for that? Yeah. Your car engine was powered by crushing up uh, pixies. It's like, well, I didn't know that. I just thought it was a normal car. Well, but I'm afraid the engine still crushed a lot of pixies along the way. So I don't know why I went pixie route. It was weird. But... That was a very strange one. But I see yeah. your point. The point is blameless. Blameless. Yeah. So I don't yeah. see. I mean, honestly, it's... I know there's a fundamental rule that you're responsible for what get you put in your body. And I, suppo- yes. I suppose then I'd have to read it in full. But are they really saying to people that when a pharmacist gives you drugs, you have a duty to triple <laughs> check that they're the yeah, right ones? You some, yeah, you somehow have the duty as a non to supervise the professional to, conduct to of a pharmacist. A pharmacist. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an interesting take on personal responsibility, but I mean, apparently that's the rules now. So, I'm assuming uh, an appeal may come. Then again, yeah. I suppose there's no rugby happening. You might as well take your month. And... Might as well take the fucking ban, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder, though, like, what what's happening with WADA testers right now? 
because are they still operating? Um, because surely you can't go to somebody's house and supervise them having a piss. Are they doing Zoom? Distance? Are they doing it via Zoom? <laughs> and you have to answer the Zoom call. I'm not. I'm not sure the uh, the what you call it the chain of of containment or whatever it is. <laughs> Exactly. Talk, right? It's good. It's good. <laughs> but like, yeah, how? So hang on. Your you know... phone rings. Zoom. They go. Hello. Wada's here. Keep this yeah. turned on. Keep it pointed at you. There's an Amazon courier waiting outside your house. Maybe that's what they're doing. This I is not know. insurmountable. Genuinely, I'm telling anybody, you. That's kind of what they're doing what... for community testing for COVID. So why they can't do it for piss testing for athletes? I don't know. Yeah. Because you know, usually the tester has to be fucking in the fucking cubicle. Waiting, you know, watching you whiz. So, we well, can do it with Zoom, can't they? Yeah. You keep that pointed <laughs> at your cock. You do not point. There's a great opportunity for some brilliant sleight of hand shit. You know. <laughs> yes. There what is. happens if you know you drop the phone in the pan? You know, it's, are they paying for that? Well, excuse me, it's... Mr. Thompson, but when your sample arrived in the lab, it was a can of Sprite. <laughs> you appear to have put the wrong thing into the box. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm very confused. Or they're not bothering at all, and Australian rugby league players are having a fucking brilliant time. <laughs> Literally, when rugby league starts again in Australia, they will just have to dig themselves out from under a mountain of fucking marching powder. Yes. Every single prop <laughs> forward has dropped... going to call pre-season. Every single prop forward has just... dropped three stone because they've been living off, purely off the coke and lager diet. <laughs> Not all players, obviously. Not all players. No. They, I mean, yeah. So anyway, James Cronin hasn't been on that diet. The poor bugger no. just got dispensed incorrectly and was somehow held partly responsible for it. the crime of having a fucking, you know, pharmacist that wasn't paying attention. I hope he'll learn his lesson from that. Speaking of Ireland, or things in Ireland, Ulster have taken a view to furlough everybody. Players, yes. staff, the lot. Which is a bit more extreme than, I mean, what everybody else has done. But and yeah, I imagine you know. it's probably a realistic position a lot of them are going to find themselves in, yeah. aren't they? There can't be a gigantic amount of cash flow going on. Fuck no. And realistically, yeah, everyone in, you know, they've, they've taken 70% of the Ulster staff, isn't it, are on, are on furlough, which... I mean, it seems a lot, but realistically, this is not fucking football. There is not the cash floating about to, you know, even on 70% wages or 80% wages to keep this going it's, indefinitely. It's 80% it, wages up to two and a half grand a month. That That's 30 grand a year. So there'll be some... Oh, no, I mean, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the players that are... You know the clubs that are currently paying. You know, you know, have got players. Oh yeah, sorry, I'd, I'd moved on to the next that part shit, of the discussion. I'm that saying... shit absolutely cannot go on for much longer in no. rugby because. And then when it stops, it's thirty grand a year, is what they'll be on yeah. when they're furloughed maximum. Plus, yeah. I don't know if they still get an endorsement income or anything like that. No idea. I think that's probably. I know it was somebody with us that's been furloughed who's in sales basically just gets basic whatever the most yeah. basic salary is that you get so any bonuses any incentives any of that sort of stuff is all out the window 
In other news, my son's been furloughed by McDonald's from his Saturday job, so he's getting 35 quid a week because he normally works a day on a Saturday for for fucking doing nothing. Um, He is like a pig in shit. Aside from the fact that he can't go out and spend that money on anything. Oh, he can. He can walk to the spa, which is about 200 metres from my house, and buy a 12-pack of Stella. That's what he could do. He's demonstrated he can do that. (laughs) Cans as well. Dirty bastard. Not even bottles. A half slab of Stella in cans. We were all that that age. Wasn't it wonderful? Remember when 35 quid was loads of money? Remember that? I do. I vividly do. I I remember when you know. I also remember when buying twelve cans of Stella felt like an absolute fucking <laughs> largesse of the highest level when it wasn't the fucking flagon of diamond white <laughs> or twelve cans of Carlin, a three liter bottle of Merry Down. <laughs> uh, anyway, so see, this would be pristy. This would be premium. Going and buying, you know, twelve cans of cider and going sitting in a field territory for him right now. And, and at can't. best, he could walk. Best he can walk through a field briskly with twelve yeah. cans of cider. You know. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, where was I? So yeah, where were we? Ulster, bad news. Yes, and I think we, it wouldn't be. This will be a bit of a domino first, effect. I think of many. Yes. Yeah. This is going to spread. In in normal rugby related news, uh, Jonah Holmes has signed for the Dragons, which is a really yeah. good bit of business. It's a good bit of business. Uh, interesting to see where he plays for the Dragons, whether he plays on the wing or at fullback, where he's mainly played for Wales. Because obviously, uh, uh, what's his face, Jordan Williams, is very good mm. and has had the when obviously injured at the moment, but. He's had the Dragons' 15 jersey sort of nailed down for two years now, so it'll be interesting to see whether he plays on the wing, whether he plays at fullback, whether he plays a fucking scrum off. Because he's interesting to see so. where he plays when rugby no longer exists. Well, yeah, I mean that's the that's, <laughs> that's the question that's on all of our lips, isn't it? What will what will be ends in about 18 months' time? Um, yeah, I mean, but there's no it. there's no way that crowds of 10,000 can get together to watch games Ooh, within the next... Now. So Goodness assuming now. it all kicks off, it'll be behind closed doors, you have to assume, don't you? I sort of... people. Some people got quite narky with me about this on Twitter this week, but I just no. sort of wonder, at what point... Does, Twitter, uh, narky, you, no. Surely not. Yeah. Um, at what point are people going, to, like particularly sort of rugby administrators, but sports administrators in general, going to be honest with us and just go... I know we keep saying we're hoping that they can, you know, resume in, you know, as soon as possible. But let's be fucking real about this. No spectators are going to be allowed into a rugby, into a rugby ground or a football ground or any kind of major sporting event or any kind of large gathering. Full stop. Uh, until there's a vaccine. And there probably won't be and... a vaccine for yonks because I'm not a fucking scientist, but. The common cold is a type of coronavirus, I think, and we've not done so well with that, have we? Because it mutates and shit. So, but anyway, yeah. let's not go down a road that we don't understand at all. <laughs> no, however, but I think the trouble is, is, yeah, the trouble is, even if they're even optimistically they're saying next year for a vaccine, and then they've got to get everybody to fucking have it. 
The other thing is, is that it's difficult, isn't it, if you're an administrator? Because like, I can see what you're saying, but obviously what they're saying is I don't want to give something out if we don't, because I generally don't think they know. I think, they, you know, they think it's going to be a while, but they don't know what form it's going to take when it comes back. So unless they can give out a clear view, I don't think they want to give out anything. However, on the flip side of it, from your, I can see where you're coming from. What happens then is that people invent what's going to happen. People create exactly. a story when they don't have one, don't they? Yeah. Whereas what, you know, the Premiership has, uh, rugby has, you know, attempted to kind of throw out some ideas for what will happen when it comes back, you know, and has suggested, you know, the plan that came out yesterday, I think, was sort of suggesting that they basically chop the league up into three bits and make a sort of mini tournament for yeah. the title the last Heineken Cup uh, place and for shits and giggles. So like the, the fucking um, merit tables in Wales in the <laughs> old days. Who'd have thought that'd be the fucking way forward? Honestly, <laughs> well, we're going to have to have, some, you know, they're going to have to do something quite radical because there's not going to be any spectators. So they're going to have to get money somehow. So they desperately need as many games as possible to be on television. It's, you know, they're going to have to do something quite radical. Uh, but they can't, But also... There's going to be no fucking flying to Ireland or Italy or France anytime soon. So within British rugby, it's going to be, you know, Wales, Scotland and England having to work something out presumably between them. Ireland are pretty much on their own. France are going to be on their own. And never mind Italy. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just... It, it seems like the sooner they start floating ideas and seeing which ones people kick the fuck off about, the better off they might be. But I understand where you're coming from. It's sort of like, yeah, how do you? Of course, in the middle of this, the greatest, the greatest test match series of our time is being played out between um, Bill Beaumont and Agustin Pichot. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's not making rugby look brilliant, this, is it? Let's be um, honest. The thing is, I think <laughs> if this was any other time, nobody would really know this was going on, apart from the real, like, rugby heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. You know, like, the, yeah, it'd so... be like it'd about the 15th story on Planet Rugby that people are kind of interested in. But because there is nothing else, it's because if you think about it, it gets elected as the head of FIFA, even a fucking sport as big as that, it's still not front page yeah. and front... I, it's, a com- it's, a, it's sort of sports it's a smashing pages. together of like the fact that rugby is, is a crossroads anyway yeah. combined with the fact that it's you know the, the current this for what everybody says about this and it's true pretty much everything in life is that this lockdown this pandemic and all of this stuff has proved a great accelerant for ill and for good to pretty much everything. So yeah. shops that probably would have gone out of business, you know, in a couple of years' time Debenhams. because they were uh, are gone, are yeah. dead. You know, businesses that, you know, are struggle, were struggling are just fucked. They're absolutely gone. And, you know, rugby was always going to have to have a conversation with itself about where it was going to go long-term in terms of how the game is going to be played, where the game is going to be played, you know, the format that the game is going to take. And... Pichot is basically, as we sort of said last week, gone, I smell the catastrophe. And <laughs> basically, what seems like everyone in the Southern Hemisphere has gone, yeah, I think we might need something fucking radical here, lads. And so the only 
uh, and everybody in the northern hemisphere has gone. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> let's 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 not do anything hasty. We're still making out like bandits here. Let's 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 chill this out a little bit. And then in the middle is Fiji, with well, the, the prime minister of Fiji uh, is now apparently just going to be the because it's so close. It's going to go down to one vote they reckon. And after um, Francis Keane was stood down uh, last week for being a homophobe, which is nice. Um, so now it rests with uh, Frank uh, Benamarama, who's the Prime Minister of Fiji, who came to power in a military coup in 2006. Um, was head of the Navy. He's a, still a Commodore, I believe. Um then in 2009, they tried to oust him, and uh, the government tried to oust him, and then he sparked some sort of constitutional crisis until they like basically just put him back in charge. Um, Oldest so story in the world, isn't it? Oldest story in the world. He absolutely seems like a, a totally brilliant character and somebody that absolutely should be responsible for. I mean, the military running the countries is, is always a fucking magnificent option to take. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you had to choose the one option, that would be the option that you'd choose. Well, maybe that, remember yeah. when the financial crisis came in 2008 and Greece yes. particularly went down the toilet? Oh, yeah. And they went to find one of the old generals who'd been in charge back in the 70s when they were a dictator. And they said to him, so what do you think about this general, you know? And his response was, Greeks need discipline. <laughs> <laughs> so the other reason this has happened, obviously, is because we're not in charge stopping these. Because the Greek people just run off and do all kinds of mad shit if you don't if you don't give them a bit of discipline, like the wayward children or something. That's a great way to think of adults, isn't it? In a democracy, <laughs> isn't it? yes, and a way uh, to think of democracy, of course. Yeah, well, anyway. of course. Um, the interest, the really interesting thing about this is that Key, uh, Francis Keane was uh, an overt supporter of. Bill Beaumont and uh, Bernard Laporte, who was um, nominating Keane for the uh, executive committee position. Um, and now it remains to be seen which way, because basically Pichot has enough votes from tier two nations and the Southern Hemisphere to be pretty much neck and neck. Because he's Beaumont. basically given Australia the World Cup, hasn't he? Yeah, Argentina have, have uh, withdrawn their thing for the World Cup which in 2027, which gives Australia a clear run at it. Um, I mean, it's quite hilarious to think that Australia think that they're actually still going to exist in time <laughs> to have a World Cup in 2027 at the current rate. Well, but, Phil um, Kearns is going to be in charge now. Broken <laughs> shouts on the telly, charge. so, you know. Yeah, I mean, what what about... Josh, that? we've been in and around rugby for 20 years. Do you, do you think we could be CEO of, an, of, of a union? <laughs> I mean, what is it about Phil Kearns, uh, a man who has been broadcasting on Fox in Australia <laughs> for decades um, and is incredibly close to the Murdochs? What about the whole situation where Raleigh Castle refused to just rubber stamp Fox getting an, an extended contract with the Australia, Rugby Australia and decided to put it out to tender? What do you think about that has upset <laughs> Phil Kearns in some way? It doesn't. It doesn't look weird, does it? And it's, you know, and then it's the justifications people like Nick Farr-Jones are coming out with, like he knows lots of people in rugby. What the fuck? Well, also, like most of the people, one of the lads on Green and Gold Rugby did a very good riposte to that fucking 11 captains letter 
which is basically <laughs> most of those cap- most of those captains have in some way been involved in rugby administration in Australia over the last 10 years, whether it's being a Super Rugby franchise or whether it's literally being on the board of Rugby Australia. They've all been in positions where if they have these brilliant ideas for how to fix this and fix rugby in Australia, you really hope they might have piped up by now. (laughs) But no, instead they're going to send a weird open letter that they're also conveniently going to send to Fox. It's and again, this is all stuff we would never fucking hear of if there was actually exactly. games. Exactly, nobody would care if there was rugby going on, but there isn't, and so this is what we're stuck we all with. Have to and this is what this. we're talking anyway, about. So you have to so fucking yeah, like it, won't you? It's down to a man that was, you know, it's all it's all down to a man with a dubious political background that came into power in a coup in two thousand and six, who's going to be the president of world rugby for the next three years. Exactly how we always planned it. Why is Rugby Union always on the side of the baddies? <laughs> we really are. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't listen to our history episodes, if you've not taken that plunger, I, please do, because it really is always on the Let side of the baddies. Up. Yeah. But realistically, Fiji are like, given that uh, Bainamarama, whose name I definitely mispronounced there, but whatever, <laughs> um, has a portrait of Queen Elizabeth above his desk and wants. Uh, her to become Fiji's monarch again. I'm pretty sure they might side with the RFU, you know. <laughs> Something about that just screams, I'm going to stick with the Northern Hemisphere there. So, yeah, the other day I was I was thinking about Bill Beaumont and, and this, and, in, and I accidentally did a spoonerism of their name, and it made me laugh. So I'm going to say it again now. So I think it would be better yeah. if it was Bo Belmont versus <laughs> versus Piscastine Acho. <laughs> it's so juvenile, and yeah, I giggled a good five minutes just at the very thought Bull, of that. So, Bull Billmont sounds like a hobbit. <laughs> Bull Billmont, yes. Bull Billmont. He was only left behind because he was too thick. The world of work has changed dramatically, and organisations are evolving. A full or part-time MBA from UCD Smurfit School equips managers to react at pace and deliver change. Now is the time to transform your career and gain a new business network. Join our virtual MBA experience day on Saturday, November 20th. Register at smurfitschool.ie forward slash events. UCD Michael Smurfit Graduate Business School. Developing impactful business leaders. These days, everybody wants to be green. I'm not talking about selfies with your favourite houseplant or fair-weather football fans. I'm talking frank and honest coffee, sustainably made, supporting local jobs and communities. We are guaranteed Irish and a genuinely greener choice. Frank and honest, you can't fake great-tasting coffee. Available in Centra and Super Value stores nationwide. (laughs) Uh, I tell you where we get a bit of Bill Beaumont. We do get a bit of... Where do we get a bit of Bo Belmont? Brian Moore's Pitbull's Punch-Up. Brian Moore's Pitbull's Punch-Up. We've asked you all to to watch. Sorry to people in South Africa and and other places who came back and went, it's blocked by the Six Nations in their countries. Why it's not blocked by the Six Nations here, I do not know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so Uh, this is... Dishing out, that's what I'll tell you. Released on VHS on the 4th of October 1999, according to Amazon. This was the latest in a line of 90s compilation videos fronted by players and journalists, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a weird artefact from what I like to consider the golden era of the petrol station compilation video. 
yeah. straight to VHS products that combined no more than two hours of filming with a C-list celebrity interspersed with archive footage of things that can be summed up as stuff that would appeal to long-distance lorry drivers, reps and boys between the ages of 7 and 14. It's... I mean, the Mona Lisa... Yes, you got these DVDs and porn. They're the two yeah. things that... <laughs> the Mona Lisa of the genre is, of course, the classic Danny Baker's own girls and gaffs. Yeah. I mean, which... Not only had about four sequels, but also spun off into, and I did, I went in a deep dive on this, yep. uh, Danny Baker's Fabulous World of Freak Football and Danny Baker's Right Hammerings. I, my mate had and, Right Hammerings. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then, of course, you had shameless rip-offs like Nick Hancock's Football Nightmares, David Seaman's Jeepers Keepers, and my absolute <laughs> favourite, which is James Nesbitt's Eat My Goal, The Ultimate Football Humiliations, which is such a laser-focused specific period of time. <laughs> James Nesbitt, eat my goal. That's literally... Yes. That's Once, Euro, once that's you got outside of the month that was filmed in, it was none of it was relevant <laughs> anymore. Uh, now, rugby, yeah, went, I mean, rugby jumped in on this act with this one, but they also had... Um, other football one was Vinnie Jones' Soccer Hard Men, which got him banned and fined for bringing the game into yes. judicial views. Yes. And you had rugby ones like Matt Dawson's Rip Roaring Rugby. Uh, yes. And uh, basically half of England's World Cup 2003 era team ended up making their own straight-to-DVD slash VHS lowlights. There was Jason Leonard's Big Hits. Um, and mm. perhaps the most bizarre and intriguing of all that I kind of want to watch now is Austin Healy's Rugby Nightmares, in which, according to the blurb, a hospitalised Austin Healy ponders the fragility of life and how lucky he is in his career while looking back at some of rugby's hairiest, scariest, roughest and downright dirtiest moments. Like this, He's like in a wheelchair with like comedy fucking bandage wrapped around his head. And everything. My word. Uh, you can buy it. I'm not making this up. You can buy it for £4.20 from Amazon right now. It reads somewhere between sort of like... A rugby's biggest hits YouTube compilation and a oh. Christmas Carol. <laughs> yes, and Heart <laughs> of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> um, two lesser-known rugby ones, which you can't find, is that is Kevin Mags's Tractor Engine Derby and <laughs> Shane Howard's Pudding Mishaps. <laughs> they were also from a uh, sort of. Yeah, it wasn't all sport though. These things, of course, let's forget. We had um, the Police Stop series which was basically a pale imitation of police camera action presented by Graham Cole, who you, of course, remember as uh, PC Tony Stamp from The Bill. Oh, of um, course, yes. Yeah. Um, fun he used fact, to turn up at Noel's two... house party. With a, with yes, a he co- did. With... Which, again, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so fun fact, I look at this. Volume 2 of Police Stop uh, dumped Tony Stamp for a real copper, Detective D. Rowlands of the Metropolitan Police, as it says on the front, but... Clearly, that attempt to add a hard sort of real reality edge didn't work because Tony's back for volume three. Um, <laughs> the sales fucking tagged. What were yeah. you thinking? <laughs> you can't talk about the direct to VHS market without talking about Jeremy Clarkson either. Basically, from the late 90s to the early... Basically, before he realised that being a professional populist and bigot was much more lucrative, Jeremy Clarkson's mortgage was paid by videos that were sold exclusively in motorway services and petrol stations yes you had clarkson unleashed clarkson's hot metal clarkson's apocalypse they're all very homoerotic let's be <laughs> honest now i um, know yeah. why 
Now I know why you haven't managed to watch the end of Picard yet, because you must have lost a full fucking day and a half on that. <laughs> I went down such a rabbit hole of 90s direct-to-DVD slash VHS things. But yeah, and then we have this. We have Brian Moore's Pitbull's Punch-Ups, a full of, like, rugby clearly full of, like, iconoclastic verve in the early days of professionalism. Yeah. is looking to shed its middle class sort of image and show that it had something that the lad generation could really get its you know teeth mm. into. This is peak fucking loaded era, you know? Speaking of which, if you weren't watching this, uh, what could you be listening as we do, as usual in these scenarios, let's look at have a quick gander of what was in the, the you know Absolutely. the hit parade. Um the top ten official charts for this week. At number ten, I try by Macy Gray. Sunshine by Gabrielle, number nine. Huh. Number eight, oh, we're going to Ibiza by the Venger Boys. Fuck me, this is a bad week. And it, number seven, Sun is Shining by Bob Marley, remix. Oh, I remember that. Number six, You Drive Me Crazy, Britney Spears. At number five, Coincidentally, Mambo Number no. Five by Hello. Lou Vega. I was living in and Cardiff, and that was everywhere. This was pre Ashes 2005. Oh, absolutely, where... it was. This was in its first yeah, yeah. Uh, inkling. Yes. <laughs> Number four, a, a new entry, Going Down by Melanie C. I don't remember that one of hers. This is a brief no career, idea. solo career where she wrote the worst lyrics in the entirety of the world. Yes, she did. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the lyrics for "Going Down," and it's she's a, basically she's got she shaved her head a bit and she's angry. Is the vibe I'm getting from the video? Uh, it was her debut single. The song was her debut single. Oh, was it? Right, okay. Because I remember that one about um. Oh, what's the one? She had that one. Is it lonely where you are sleeping between parked cars? Which is about homeless people. Oh, is the other it line, really? the other oh, couplet in it was. I I couldn't live without my phone, and you don't even have a home. Because <laughs> she obviously wrote it as a six-form fucking poem project or something. I mean, the because this actually did come after um, Brian the Brian Adams baby one year gone, which was her first. I think that is possible. Solo. I'll accept that. Well, I'll, I'll allow a, that. It's a Brian Adams song With that he originally harmony, wanted yeah. Cheryl Cole to do and then she wouldn't do it, so he asked Mel C instead, which, I mean, I'd have liked to have seen Cheryl the Cheryl Cole or Cheryl Crow? Crow. I was going to say, <laughs> fuck for that, yeah. <laughs> a pre-pop stars or whatever it was, X Factor. I saw Cheryl, Cheryl Crow Cole. in concert last year when I was in, Alab oh, yeah. when I was in Alabama. Really, really good. Really she's, good band, loads of hits. Very good. She's still a brilliant singer. I knew every single song she played. Couldn't complain. I mean, I would also... I'll even defend Cheryl Crow's Bond theme because I think it's pretty good. Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies, wasn't it? I'm thinking of one yeah, Madonna yeah. did, the shit one, Die Another Day. Oh, God, that was awful. Anyway, yeah, so Melanie you know. C's going down at number four, no memory of it. Nope, not at all. Uh, number three, into the top three now. Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain, the song that <laughs> properly brings me out in fucking rash when I hear it. <laughs> I, weird, I weirdly remember as a... I mean, what would I have been 14 at this point? I weird, really fancied Shania Twain. 
Right. I don't know why. Well, like, it's, it's she was of a certain age. It's that vibe in it when you're that age. She was quite old though. At that, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's that okay, vibe in it. Yeah, they have yeah. websites about this now. Yeah, they do, don't they? Um, that, you, you wouldn't hear any of that in in 1999. No, <laughs> you would not. Um, <laughs> one thing I remember about Man, I feel like a woman is it finishes with her going, "Man, I feel like a woman," and stops, doesn't it? I never yeah. forget once on Wogan, he fit, when that finished, he went, "Good for you." And then carried on, <laughs> taking the piss because he was woke. Number two, S Club Party by S Club Seven, oh. which was I'm assuming was a medley, was it? I don't even remember that one. Uh, yeah, I think it was their debut single, wasn't it? No, Again, it must have been you know, later than that. Nah, I reckon it's S Club Party. Let's find out. <laughs> it was it was pre S Club Eight, so you know it can't be that. Late. I bet you're glad you waited till Wednesday for this content, everybody, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, us looking up S Club. Which, anyway, why are you doing that? Number one was yeah. blue bracket Dadba D close bracket oh. by Eiffel sixty five. I'm blue Baba D Baba Dow Ooh Baba D Baba Dabba Dabba D Baba Dow. I'm very sorry that that's now that. in your head I, for the rest of time, everyone listening. I bought that single, but I think it was purely because I was at that age where obnoxious music just appealed to me. You're 14. Just... You can do anything at 14. I was listening to yeah, Maiden exactly. by then, but that's obnoxious, really. And I was obnoxious <laughs> about it as well, just before I went into uh, Nirvana. I, I can tell you that S Club Party was uh, the band's second single no. after Bring It All Back, of course, which is the Don't classic. Don't stop. Movie. Never gave up. Yep. Yeah. Reach for the Stars was a classic. That was a big one in our uh, rugby club. Uh, yeah, that's, that's that's still a way off yet. We've got Two in a Million, You're My Number One, and then Reach, which wasn't until 2000. So yeah, It is called Reach. Well corrected. I respect you yeah. for that. I, no- just, I literally just looked and it said Reach instead of Reach for the Stars. Album, 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 albums, top 10 very quickly. Number 10, The Fragile. It's fra- usually better. The Fragile will be steady. Number 10, The Fragile by Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, fair enough. Number nine, Liquid Skin by Gomez. I had that. Yeah. It's not stood the test of time. No. Uh, Number eight, My Love Is Your Love by Whitney Houston. A big comeback with like Rodney Jerkins producing and stuff. Some really good stuff on there. My Love Is Your Love, the track, is genuinely a blinder. Number seven, Performance and Cocktails by the Stereophonics. I'll defend it. Second album, am I right? Second album. Uh, Yeah. Isn't Pick a Part that's new on that? It is. Pick a part that, uh, that's new. Pick a part yeah. that's new was playing on the radio in the car when I was driving to get married in 1999. <laughs> True story. Very nice. Number six, Supergrass by Supergrass. Number five, Brand New Day by Sting, because apparently he's always been with us and will be forever. Apparently so, yeah. Number four, Rhythm and Stealth by Left Field. Number three, The Man Who by Travis, their second album. It featured <sighs> Never Driftwood got and all Never that. got Travis. It's when indie music went bad, wasn't it, at this point? Yeah. Number two, Come On Over by Shia Shania Twain. Number one, Reload by the now relevant again Tom Jones. <laughs> oh, fuck me. I'm sorry for saying that the album chart might be better. <laughs> what else have we got here? There, are, you... some, there are some truly hateful songs on. Like, I love Sir Tom. I'll, you know, I'm legally required to. Um, I had that album because everyone had to. It was one of those ones that everyone had to have yeah, the yeah, album, yeah. yeah. But Reload is just... What's on it? Sex Bomb? Sex Bomb's on it. Uh, Mama Told Me Not To Come's on there. Come. The one with the cardigans. Uh, yeah. Burning Down the House. Burning Down the House. Burning Down the House, which is the only one I think on there that's actually acceptable. 
is burning down the house. Baby, it's cold outside with Keris Matthews. That's on it. Oh, that one's feel. That one just made me feel sick. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there's. Uh, are you going to go my way with Robbie Williams, which is oh. a hate crime? Yes. Um, there's sometimes we cry with Van Morrison, which is a different kind of hate crime. Um, God, there's a cover of Little Green Bag with the bare naked lady. Oh God, yeah, that was really random. Yeah, that was all. Uh, covers were simply red. Natalie and Brulia, and then the weirdest fucking one of the lot, and the one that I still can't understand how this exists, is a cover of classic Negro spiritual track motherless child with portis head mm. who the fuck that's the closing track on the album who signed that off <laughs> who signed that off i just no anyway if you fancy going to cinema this week number one in the cinema this week on if you this time was big daddy adam sandler Oh, the week God. after it was american pie so it was it was it was a big sort of you know with that era that yeah. era and if you fancy watching a bit of telly on Monday the 4th of October, I'll skip through the daytime stuff, but basically on BBC One in the evening, we had Question of Sport at 7 o'clock. Of course. Crime Squad with Sue Lawley, EastEnders. Walking with Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs becoming a theme. I remember Walking with Dinosaurs. This God. one's called New Blood, but it, that was another revolutionary one, wasn't it? Yes, because it was like... CGI they, was to the max. CGI dinosaurs, yeah. I remember there was like an exhibition and I think I might have gone to the Natural History Museum to see the exhibition of walking with dinosaurs and everything. Panorama at 10 o'clock was about banks trying to fire customers who cost them money. So banks being shit houses, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Omnibus was on about Blondie. At 20, uh, as you did. It yeah. was quite good. Omnibus, I don't think it's even on anymore. Omnibus, there you go. No, no And then is. on BBC Two the same day, just to wind this up, you have got... In the evening, you have Ready, Steady, Cook. Yep. Back now with Ryland, apparently. Five uh, o'clock. Lo- get this. Get this for fucking television, right? Five o'clock. Lowry. Henry Cooper and Derek Jameson are amongst the guests talking to Lowry Turner about the problems of being left-handed. I mean, that sounds like a made-up television 35 program. minutes Sorry. that was on for. That sounds like something Charlie Brooker would put in TV Go Home. <laughs> I've got my copy of TV Go Home behind me. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Simpsons, The Cars, The Star, Conference. Oh, I was the Conservative Conference at the time, so that's on. <laughs> University Challenge, Sophie Griffin. The Cars, The Star was a weird television program, wasn't it? Jeep this week. Quentin Wilson looks at the US Second World War troop carrier that was the inspiration for the Land Rover. <laughs> it's... It's so like dry. Like no wonder Top Gear came back oh, and was. If you look at TV shows back then, they were looking at how you Quentin know, fucking Wilson. How how, how what a decent buy a Honda Land Accord Rover. was, you know. I mean, yeah, it's just it's so lame, so lame. So you got anyway. Sophie Grigson's Feast for the Fiver. Then you got Eureka yep. Street, four-part urban drama set in Belfast. Well, this has been. I mean, and then at ten o'clock, people like us. One of the one of the original spoof documentary series about the place. Yeah, I love people like that. Such a people like us is great. With Chris O'Dea Langham. Yes, this is Chris. Oh, what a shame, Langham. And that's probably a lot. So let's move into the actual DVD. So, Pitbull's punch ups. 
Where does it stand in the pantheon of, of petrol, straight to VHS petrol station videos, do you mean, think? I, I enjoy it because it's it's such a weird and incredibly specific curio of its time. Like, And obviously people liked it because there was a second uh, one called yes. Moore's more people's punch-ups uh, and they were combined into a one uh combined volume one and two that was called pitbull's fist but fistful in 1999 which, uh, yeah um, yeah i mean so it's, it's it's just it's such a weird like it's a perfect artifact of the time isn't it because it, yes, for a start it it's filmed in a, a branch of the sports cafe sports cafe which i mean the 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 sports cafe is such a a nineties to early two thousand thing because it was like every like the whatever they said of the American notion of like themed dining, like and make. But Americans and just way. have sports places, don't they? Yeah, and so they went. So oh, what yeah, we did, we American... look at it, and go, oh, let's do that. Let's have a thing like they have. It's like, well, they yeah. just kind of have it. It's hard to sort of. Yeah, this was like, but this was like the era where you know the hard rock cafe was ever was expanding everywhere, where fucking Planet Hollywood was, and not just American stuff either. Do you remember Bar Med? Bar Med, yeah. Everything had to be some kind. The Rainforest Cafe, I think that is still in London. I do not. I think you made that up. Uh, No, the Rainforest Cafe. You can still go to one in London. It's like going and having a a sort of really average sort of casual dining eating experience, but pretend you're in a shit jungle. (laughs) As opposed to a good jungle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, and so into this came the sports cafe, which, as you said, kind of was attempting to bring the, like, the, the thrills and spills of an American sports bar to a British public that had absolutely to no people who were drinking fucking Tetley's. Well, yeah, to people. What, what the sports cafe concept was like: big screens, lager on tap. We'll show you. You know, we'll have seven screens with all the games going on all the time. The waitresses will be in vests. Yeah, and what they re- didn't realise is that Britain already has lots of places to go and watch sport and drink alcohol. They called pubs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And, and so I, I seem to remember that one still existed in Bristol, or possibly it might have just been the like dead husk of one. In when I moved to Bristol in about two thousand and eight, it was on the one in Cardiff one... was down Cardiff Bay, and I think that and that from what I can gather stayed open until about two thousand and five, and then somehow came back some somehow. But if you, put, if you put Sports Cafe Cardiff into Google and go to the images, you get a picture of the waitresses, which gives you... I it's, tell you what, it's not a good thing, is it's, it? It's basic, well, basically, Sports Cafe Cardiff... Um, and I seem sport Because Sports Cafe Cardiff sponsored Cardiff City for yes, a season. Did. I yes, remember they that. they did, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's... But then I, I would loosely... I, I mean, it's not even loose, let's be honest. Sports Cafe in Cardiff, certainly, and I assume Sports Cafe everywhere, modelled their, uh, the look of their waitress attire, and it is always waitresses. Let's not, let's not pretend otherwise. Yes. Um, exclusively on Hooters. Yes, just different coloured vests, yes. Yeah, so blue vests instead of white ones, but we are talking 
tit tops and uh, tiny little shorts and but shorts with tights underneath. But it was, as you I, say, it was it was the the pinnacle of the lads, lads, lads. It was generation, you know wasn't it? I'm what reading it. So, so yeah, in 1989, Cardiff City was sponsored by the Sports Cafe, which at the time was located near Technicrest in Cardiff Bay. Yep. Then, what happened was in 2012, um, th- between it lasted no, no, no. till 2012. No, 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 no. It closed down very, very quickly. However, in um, in what must it must have been maybe 2011, Cardiff ill-advisedly opened a Hooters near the Motorpoint, what's now the Motorpoint Arena. All right, okay. Um, uh, which I had the misfortune of going to once, I think, uh, on a stag do, and it was They're one not of the comfortable impressive... places to eat, are they? They're, they're not. I imagine they're not comfortable places to go when you're full of really enthusiastic American women who can sell it, but when it's... <laughs> when all the waitresses are bored students that desperately just haven't... They're, they're just there to... Well, I don't know. Get I, mean, I always get the impression that they don't like working there, and you feel deeply uncomfortable generally being in there. So yeah, it's, it's, an like absolute, a... <laughs> it's an absolute shit show. However, the actual premises had loads of screens and loads of beer and loads of space, and if it hadn't had sort of the weird, creepy, sort of pervy mm. vibe, it would have been quite fun. So basically, Hooters closed down very quickly because it doesn't work in Britain, and then somebody went, let's bring back... Let's do exactly the same thing, but instead of Hooters, we're going to call it the Sports Cafe again. Right. But we're gonna, and we're just gonna change the colour of the tops, but everything else is gonna be the same. And I'm guessing that lasted about a week. So yeah, so the sports cafe was everywhere at this time, and it was yeah, it was big yeah. bars, lots of screens with that particular challenge back then of trying to dangle massive big back tellies from the ceiling. The this wasn't this a flat was screen period. It's like you flat know, screen era. What a flat screen TV meant in those days was that it didn't have a curved screen. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it was a telefunken or something. But the, uh, the, so yeah, so anyway, he's in one of these to present this show. And it is literally, like you said, filmed in an afternoon, isn't it? With yeah. one camera and him sat there in a daytime you, in a bar. You say it's one camera, though. Oh, yeah, However, the, yeah, go on. There are some, when he's doing his opening monologue and quite throughout it, there, the camera sort of cuts to a really, really unflattering, like super close up profile shot of him. That like is way. And it's not like, really a cut. Do... It's a dissolve. It's a gentle yeah. dissolve as well. That's what it's, I like. It's, really, it's like basically really. It's like the director has watched Trainspot in too many times, but doesn't quite have the tech to sort and, of. And answer me this: Why is he in an ill-fitting suit? Oh my god! The with the tie yeah. undone, as if it's like the, the end, like like it's the end of a long night when it's quite blatantly yeah. you can see the sun blazing into the windows of this pub in the daytime. Like. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's blatantly two o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday at the sports cafe in in London. I'm guessing. Yes. Because that was round the rope, the corner from the solicitor's thing that he, you know, he was still a practicing solicitor at this point. Let's not forget. Um, but yeah, I would have understood Brian Moore in a suit or in an open neck shirt. What I can't understand is why they choose to have him wearing an untied tie hanging loosely around his neck, as you say, like it's two a.m. And it's away. polka dots. It's, and it's incredibly long. Around... It's like it's between that... his knees when he stood up. It's so long. Yeah. This what time. That, what that says to me is that Brian has literally gone. I've gone out for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's taken his lunch. He's gone and done this filming, and they've gone. Oh, Brian, can you casual it up a little bit? And he's gone. 
<laughs> because that's how little they're paying him. Um, and they're all too afraid to say anything about it. So he does this whole thing. And then he does his tie-up and goes back to work as a barrister or whatever it was that he was doing at that point. That's why... I, 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 that's got to be it. So it's Surely. All, it's all exclusively shot from underneath him or around the side of him because, There's no, because it's There them. are no nice flattering angles there, are they? I mean, let's be honest, right? We both said this when we before we came on air and watched it. We were like, I mean, it's... I mean, it's awful. Let's be honest, it's awful. But honestly, more than that, I understand, you know, it's awful because of the production values and everything else. But more than that, yeah. it was just so, so boring. It's so boring. Like, like, it starts off quite well, though, because Brian Moore's delivering this monologue to camera and he's being a bit cheeky with it. And there's yeah. the sort of allusion to the. the Colonel-General-Wombin-Sumbin-Hyphen-Bufton-Tufton from Surrey, which, yes, Brian, stick it to the fucking man. Um, when he's talking about the, the RFU fucking committee or whatever it's called. And, yeah, it's it feels vaguely sort of, I wouldn't say iconoclastic as such, but it, it feels yeah, I like... I think that's definitely overstating it, but yeah, <laughs> But it's you know it feels like oh rugby's professional now the lad era is at its height we're going and he's kind to of get... shaking off yeah the kind of yeah yeah the, the he's try he's he's really trying his best to sort of shake off rugby's dusty kind of formal reputation by showing a load of violence so yeah you know I mean whatever whatever gets it done I suppose yeah um, the soundtrack to this uh the sort of interlude soundtrack between all of the clips is the exact same soundtrack that they use for all montages for any 1990s tv show aimed at men basically like wailing overly processed shred guitar that stopped being cool the second slash picked up a knockoff les paul in 1987 and was blown into the deep and distant past by kirk Cobain four days later but four years later but however you know a decade on this production company's gone, yeah, let's have some wailing guitar solo because that'll appease the Jeremy Clark. Some lad with a mullet is being kept in work for 15 years longer <laughs> than he should. Um, yeah, this, I tell you, the, let's not beat around the bush here. The best parts of this DVD uh, slash VHS slash thing that we watched on YouTube illegally um, are Brian Moore. Yeah, because... and even and, he, and he's trying his level best to be able to, but I mean, who wrote his script? It's, so well, much of it is what, very bad. He wrote, his, he wrote his script with somebody else. I looked at the end. Oh, did the, he? It's written by him and a another, and it's it's not very good. How the best bits are the bits where he's just blatantly rinsing people that he doesn't like or yes. does like. Uh, so some like, of the end jokes about England teammates get a little bit tiring after a while. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I enjoy him rinsing. Ackford for being a copper who gets cold cocked by an 18 year old. That's funny. Um, <laughs> and he rinses Axford again afterwards for not being able yeah. to stand up properly, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, basically, every time Ackford's on screen, Brian Moore is absolutely rinsing him. And, and it Rob is Andrew. Funny. He rinses Rob Andrew at least <laughs> half a dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> he does indeed. Um, and Eddie Butler gets it a few times as well. That's a Were blind. him and Eddie. Were him and Eddie Butler working together at this point? Because like I ne- can never tell I when don't Brian Moore think started so. comedy. And no. he basically, I think he, he he doesn't swear much in it, but he did say he did what he said as Eddie Butler talking bollocks, talking as, bollocks usual. as usual. Yeah. <laughs> if if not, I mean, it is very prescient that, that he's sort of yeah setting the pace for setting the scene for their kind of slightly you know 
Eric and Ernie's start of commentary style before they've even started working together. I did enjoy Eddie Butler doing a 1990s MS Paint video analysis of the <laughs> seven red car defences that occur in that one Paul Lackford. On the Fred and Miko Mendes thing. He, he draws yeah. around in white circles, doesn't it? Look, here's somebody, and here is yep. somebody it's, else, yeah, and this person you punches this one. Him by his bollocks. Yeah, it was like, we've got this thing. Yeah, but everyone can see that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Use, use the tools. Use the tools. And it's quite clearly like, eight, like say, MS Paint, 16-bit paint. Do you think Eddie Butler uh, sounds a lot less Welsh at this point as well? Like, I can't like, say I noticed, but yeah, maybe. It sounds like his accent was a lot. I wonder if that was sort of a like, you know, a BBC rules at that point. It's like, I'm afraid you sound far too regional. You're going to have to. Eddie walked in one day and said, "I think I should be doing montages." <laughs> and he went, "Yeah, keep that voice, Eddie. Nice one." Uh, right, so. It opens. Um, you've mentioned already. It opens with the Federico Mendes thing, which everyone yes. knows of, and anyone listening yes. to this would know. But if you don't know it, it's an eighteen-year-old Argentinian prop who basically king punches fucking Paul Ackford from a blind side. It is the it's, absolutely it's an archetypal cunt trick. Oh my god, it is. But what's even fun, what I'd never noticed before until I watched it again now because I've not watched it for a very long time was that he hits him, Mendes, then literally runs off. Literally runs away. <laughs> Do you know what? That's the theme that I've noticed for this. Like, in all of the many, many punches that we see over the course of this DVD, is how many times somebody basically runs, cold cocks somebody and fucking legs it. <laughs> yes. And you it's wonder like... why all this stuff had to stop. Yeah. It's like people weren't getting, you know, people weren't Queensbury rulesing this shit. Yeah, there was no man's game about it. It was triple, yeah, yeah, cowardly shit house behaviour. Yeah. Punching someone in the back of the head and running away. And, you know, even the fucking, the Ackford thing, like, that, the poor lad, you know, men. The build up to it is quite, I, and that's another thing, yeah. everyone knows about the punch to Ackford. I think most people have forgotten about the build up. Yeah, he basically tries to have a fiddle with somebody's family jewels. It's Jeff Probit, gets... yeah, which is not a good Jeff idea, Probit's to be fair. It's a terrible idea. Um, and then Jeff Probin responds by repeatedly stamping on him in the face. <laughs> and then and then he gets up, and Probin's run off by this time, but I, I can only assume that he gets up, looks at Probin, assumes that Probin is the guy who's just stamped on Actually, his face about yeah. seven times. Actually, sorry, yeah. And then just fucking clocks him and runs away. <laughs> And he thinks that he's just dealt out fucking frontier justice there. But in fact, as Moore quite rightly points out, Ackford was the only one who wasn't doing anything. <laughs> he was just stood there, wasn't he? Basically, <laughs> he <was> yeah. <laughs> Everyone go, calm down, gentlemen. Bang, yeah. But... And he's properly in Disneyland, though, isn't he? When they try and stand him up oh, again, his legs are properly. Gone. Very um, handsome young, mo- young man, Mendes, as well, walking off. Yeah, very much so. Very striking. handsome young man, yeah. Speaking of young men, uh, Martin Johnson's stamp is hilarious. <laughs> Because he might as well have been on stilts for how fucking blatant he tried. He's you know. the wrong side of his team's own... Ru- he stood the wrong side of the breakdown, isn't he? <laughs> then so sees that John Slytone's lying on the ball on the on on his team's side <laughs> of the breakdown. So then does what looks like a kind of a giraffe attempt in a roundhouse <laughs> kick. <laughs> he does the splits almost to try and stamp on someone. He's like a giraffe having a drink while standing on yeah. fucking Slytone's head. Yeah. <laughs> very nice to see a Richmond kit again by the way legit yes. probably one of my nicest English jer- rugby jerseys ever uh, also weird to see Oracle sponsoring Richmond when they were like a small time software company and now Larry Ellison's the sixth richest man on earth so um, 
So weird, the, the the DVD is structured into sections. It starts off with Mendes and it goes into a rocking... Very loosely structured into sections. Yeah, yeah. So that's not, There's a yeah. rocking section then. It's 44 yes. minutes long, which is a random length as well, but it's... There's a rocking section. I mean, in some of them, if people say bring back rocking, right, because it'd sort it out. I mean, I know, I know they weren't all like this, and these are particularly awful, but why would you even entertain a situation where things like this might happen? There's one, <laughs> and I don't remember him, but it's a South African. There's so many South African games in this, funnily oh enough. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, league games. Conrad, Conrad Breakenbacker, I think they called him, uh, number nine. Like there's yeah. some bloke like that, and he literally just looks at him and stands directly on his head. There's no it's, ball there. There's nothing. What's what's also really unsatisfying about so many of these clips, particularly the clips from like the Welsh leagues, is that you can barely see what's happened because there's no replay, there's no, no. camera angle because there's one camera, and there's not even a slow motion. And there's thing, one where somebody's clocked off the screen. And he goes, "Look at the top left of your screen," and I still had to watch it three times so I could see what he was I actually couldn't see it. I couldn't fucking see it. Like. Uh, I, I did, in speaking of South Africa, I really enjoyed that 1990s South African domestic referees were sponsored by Lee Jeans, who were last <laughs> yes, seen in 1999 was, and have yeah. Jeremy Clarkson switched to 501s. It's amazing. <laughs> I haven't seen them in years. They still exist. In the rocking bit, uh, Brian Moore gets sent off playing yes. for Richmond, doesn't he? While he's, 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 and you forget what it was like that basically he drives into a mall or he goes to, so he goes to clear just... out a rook. Somebody's lying on the somebody from sales on the wrong side, and he spots him. And within 0.01 seconds, he's properly doing a full psychotic Michael Flatley. Oh, Riverdance, isn't he? Yeah, it's not even kind of. I'll just wait to see if he moves. He's like, no, he's having it now with both feet, and then he gets sent off. (laughs) There's all this. There's this talk that he keeps bringing up about rucking and sprint rucking that keeps coming. I don't know what sprint rucking is. I've never heard that term in my life. I've worked out what sprint rucking is. Is what Brian Moore was doing there. It is running into a ruck and just stamping on anything. Using them as a wedge. Yeah, yeah. You were kind of coach for a while to use the people on the floor as a wedge to drive forward (laughs) off, like a starting block. It's remarkable though. Like. Obviously, there are the incidents that they're drawing attention to, but how often somebody just gets stamped on the, in the face and just literally the ref doesn't even give a fuck? No, it's just completely ignored. Where it's just like, it has to be really bad and blatant. And it's, and, only, on, and it's a different time then, wasn't it? But you do watch it now, and we're laughing at how re- in, incredulously, really, at how ridiculous. I look back at it now and I just think, it gets boring quite quickly just watching clips of people being stood on. It's nothing it really, really entertaining. <laughs> It makes you realise that just fights in themselves aren't very entertaining. There has to be something about them. Like the brilliant Wigan St. Ellen's one where at the end Andy Farrell gets caught shouting, you, you, you fucking shit house. You know, that's what makes it funny. Or there's some kind of really like a toe-to-toe yeah, element has, to it or something. There has to be a slapstick element to it. And with so much of it, it's just like, oh, well, that's just somebody fucking stamping on somebody. I bet that person's a really nasty piece of work. And it's the fact that they keep using like comedy, boom, like, Effects yeah. when somebody st- when somebody stands on somebody, yeah. when it's like, yeah, he could have potentially been killed there, but you just put in, you <laughs> yeah. just, put... yeah. and he's it's not even a joke, is it? That he's is literally he's got both his eyes, not just you know. a career ender, a fucking life ender. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, though, when it moves into the sex- section that where they're talking about late hits and contact in the air, um, Brian Moore seems more upset about those than he does by any of the rucking, and they are indistinguishable from any of the stuff that we see in the game on the fucking reg today. It's like, 
with the exception of a couple, like that dude that fucking basically fucking flying kicks someone in the face. Like, <clears throat> I thought we could see a bit of that. Like, a lot, quite a lot of the things that, like, the it's just late on the kicker, isn't it? Late on the kicker. Like, a lot of them, you know, you know, I would say two thirds of those are no worse than fucking that Samu Karevi hit on fucking Lee Halfpenny that put him out of the game for the best part. But I watched of two of them and did that kind of, if that wasn't in slow motion, that would probably be all right. Yeah, in terms of the timing of it, in terms of the timing of it, a couple of those would look like would be a penalty today at best because they'd be a rugby incident or they'd be a fair contest or they the ref would claim that one player was already committed, and like it's the one is that the one area that rugby just hasn't cleaned up its act at all, and I think it probably is. Can we talk about um? Can we talk about um, Brian Moore's reaction shots? That weirdly are I mean, used very sparse, sparsely. You think you either go with that as a concept or you don't. But actually, every now and again, it just yeah. Occasionally, we just get his head in his hands, going "fuck it out," going "oh basically. yeah, yeah," or shake his head. Really, going, they're really, really unconvincing. Like they, <laughs> yeah. But I, it does give you the sort of vibe that this took as long to film as it's taking us to watch. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I kind of respect that, really. They've literally just sat him down with the clips, and he's just gone. And then he's just. There's and a then for the last twenty minutes, he's gone. Can you put your head in your hands? Yeah. Can you shake yeah. your head? Yeah. And I, like, yeah, twenty minutes in, I was bored as fuck. I do you know I'm what? Twenty-two minutes. I actually looked at the clock. It's twenty-two minutes, and I just want this to end now because <laughs> there's nothing. Like, I enjoy, you know, despite myself, I enjoy a bit of biff and a bit of shit. We all housing. do. We all do, yeah. But you don't want to watch you know. it all the time, do you? It's like, yeah. I it's mean, like the best brie. Of... Do you know what I mean? You enjoy a bit of brie, but you don't want to eat it for a full solid two hours, do you? Back to I mean, back. The best part of it after 20 minutes was when he started telling people what careers people did when they weren't playing rugby. Like when he, t- he goes to the, the lengths of telling you the address of Andy Irvine's fucking property investment business. Yeah, that sort of thing. Random in the middle of it, they went, just so we can know it's not at all about this, here's some really good rugby. And then there was yeah, like, a, the, uh, Andy Irvine's famous Scotland try. Thing. And then there yeah. was two, then there was three clips of the Barbarians, which weren't even very good clips of the Barbarians, because they were obviously <laughs> the ones they could they could only could afford. Yeah. Could afford. <laughs> yeah. Very, very odd. What I did like is, well, again, relics from another time, and you forget how long this lasted for, there was a clip of, a, a clip of Phil de Glanville getting a hiding against New Zealand. Yes, I was literally just about to talk about this. However, he when he's when he gets clipped playing for New Zealand, which looks like because Twigamala's playing for New Zealand, it must be round about ninety four. He's playing for the South West. West, yeah. And yeah. then later on, there's the, the All Blacks are playing the Midlands. Yeah, because Neil Back's are, playing. Yeah, yeah. Who are, are of course sponsored by Rover. Um, <laughs> um, and then the Southwest are sponsored by like Thatchers or something like that. It's, it's incredibly on the nose. Southwest but, yeah. was was is green with yellow. With yellow, it looked like Australia. Yeah, yeah and the Midlands kit was like was quarters, basically right? Villa. Yeah, was it was Midlands basically kit blue Aston and Villa. yellow quarters. I thought. Uh, no, it was blue and maroon quarters. Was it? It was Villa. It was basically an Aston <laughs> Villa shirt. Um, but yeah, like in in the nineties, the All Blacks used to play representative teams from the Southwest and the Midlands, and that to me is fucking bonkers. That transitional period is the best. The Wild West of rugby <laughs> between ninety four like somebody... and ninety seven is the best time. It's like when somebody reminds you that county rugby still exists in England, and you go, "What?" <laughs> and you go, "Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, the like... county championship final. What? Hey, yeah, what the cricket? <laughs> no rugby. What? Yeah." <laughs> and it's like how is that still a thing it's 
Do you know that the um, the county? Speaking of of uh, our our dear lovely world rugby chairman, hmm. uh, the county championship is now known as the Bill Bowman County Championship. It is. Yeah. I got a I got a media pass to go and cover it once. Didn't go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, I am not turning up to watch some trophy to be presented by Bo Belmont. It's not happening. The um. <laughs> So Who's the current champions of uh, the uh, county champions of England, then? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, actually. That's an interesting one. Current county champions of England, I'm guessing, are Kent. No, Cornwall. Well. Cornwall, who beat Cheshire 14-12 in the final last season. Uh, the year before that, Lancashire beat Hertfordshire 31-16. Uh and then Lancashire Cornwall contest, contested it the year before. Like basically, since 2013, exclusively Lancashire or Cornwall have won the county championship, which to me is weird. I don't know why, but it is. That is weird. Not what you'd expect. Not what you'd expect. No. Lots of, there's a couple of clips of the Lions Australia test series in 89 in this and the famous ding dongs. There are. Yes. We, have, we all know the whole thing about you know Robert Jones standing on Nick Farr Jones's foot and all that kind of stuff. However, again, because I'd not watched him for a little while, what I hadn't clipped is my new favourite thing in the history of rugby is the fucking referee in that game. Because as <laughs> soon as anything kicks off, and I'm not even joking, he literally gets in between them. Yeah. He jumps on the floor at one point to get in between yeah. two people on the floor. And he's a little French fella. He's like, you are fucking amazing. He's like, I am absolutely not tolerating any of this. There's like there's one point where yeah. Dooley and a few others were swinging like fuck, and he jumped right as all five foot seven of him jumped right into the middle of it to get him to stop. <laughs> Literally put his body in between them. It was amazing. I respect the shit out of that. And then he he promises fifteen man brawls at the Before end. Before we, we get to that, have... can we just say oh, yeah. there's a section called headbutts. <laughs> this there is, is the world we were living in. There's a section called headbutts, which are both <laughs> both of them are a bit shit, really. But uh, there is there is one. The other thing is as well. There's a, there's a Western Province versus Northern Transvaal game where Moore yes. says this looks like a competition between the two worst shirts. One is a sort of New South Wales Waratahs blue, and one of shirt. and one of them is the Western Province white and blue hoop, which is yeah, yeah. by any measure a fucking beautiful shirt. <laughs> Also, given how many genuinely ugly shirts are on display, because this was mainly cropped from the 90s and the 1980s, there are some absolute abortions kit-wise <laughs> in this. But, you know, it's... Yeah, it's, it just shows that I think as he's demonstrating with his brown and white polka dot tie, Brian, and his goatee, we haven't mentioned the goatee. That was quite a prominent thing for a while, the goatee. It was, I suppose. But it's the pencil nature of the goatee. And the fact that this was pre-David Brent, don't forget. Yeah. You know? And has he got his has he had his teeth done now? Because he's definitely still toothless in this. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah. His top Which, teeth are definitely not all present. I think he's had them done now, but I, I don't know. He he's, not, he's not a vain see. man, is he, really? So maybe he hasn't. Maybe he doesn't give a shit, but... Yeah, I, he's definitely... The, the, he's not got the full compliment, that's for sure. No. At this point. So, uh... Yeah, sorry, you were saying 50, he promises 50 months. So we're yes, towards he promises 50 months. And so all we get really is the Lions versus Shark 30-man uh, brawl, which I'll level with you. 
is fucking great. Like, <laughs> yes, that's the best, like, in terms of genuine... You know, I'm down with this sort of thing and we shouldn't glorify it, but yeah, it's fucking ace. It's, yeah. <laughs> there's so much shit down through, like, punching, kicking, subs coming in, players in shirts and slacks coming on and fucking cold-cocking people. <laughs> it's a fucking buffet of shit out there. It's great. It's how Rugby Union, the guys coming on look as well, because they're properly, it's Chino, short yeah, sleeve shirt. Chino, <laughs> Chino, yeah, blue short sleeve button-down and a tie. <laughs> it's... it's glorious. <laughs> With that sort of haircut that everybody in rugby had in the 90s when they weren't on the field, which is that sort of what I, it's sort of like gelled up spikiness, but yes. sort of just brushed back. Yeah, and they've all got that. Of course yeah. they have, because it's, they sell after rugby players. You've used gel, and you've used a thin bit of your comb. Exactly thin that. tooth of yeah, your yeah, comb yeah, yeah, to yeah. brush it back, yeah. Um, wet look, obviously. Well, well, come on, goes out saying wet look, yeah. drenched in dupe. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> winning. Um <laughs> So we've um, still got time to see Bill Beaumont with a weird Hitler moustache uh, and, yeah. and a mullet talking about how these rugby players that have just beaten the living shit out of each other on the field to play aren't like that, which is funny. They're just fine. Um, they hadn't won in Cardiff for a few years, so we decided to come out and <laughs> hospitalise everybody. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Babe, I mean, you are, but not much. <laughs> um, and then at the end, again, that's typical of these programmes back then. To fill the last few minutes to do a top 10 of what you've just watched. Watched, yeah. Which was even more boring than the rest of it. Because it wasn't even the top 10. Like, I mean, God, I don't even know how they decided what that top 10 was. But and, fuck and it. It said top 10, and they, and they called the top 10 the top of the bops. Top of the bops. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a miracle I didn't turn it off then. But I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> because then we have the weirdest part of this whole fucking sketch, which is the end of this. Before we get to where, that, number in, one yeah. in the countdown yes. was Frederico Mendes. Of course it was. Obviously. Which is branded for the countdown, Falklands Revenge. <laughs> I missed that. And oh. Falklands has an apostrophe between the D and the S instead of on after the S. So, the, so it's it's the, the revenge of Falkland. Who is this co- Falkland? Yeah. Well, actually, what you meant is Falklands' revenge, didn't you, Brian? But you, yeah. Well, you well actually, what you meant I don't think proof, revenge. Yeah. And I don't think proofreading was... There definitely wasn't a sub-editor involved there wasn't, there wasn't, in the budget. There wasn't so. the budget for that. They blew it all on four Hence, gaffers. top of the bops. Yeah. <laughs> Falklands' revenge. I mean, one, seriously, but to at least get the fucking punctuation right, if you're going to use some <laughs> fucking shit. Anyway, yeah, uh, weird bit at the end. Yes, yeah, it gets really weird at the end. Where it's sort of like I think it's Brian Moore sort of attempting to look, you know, because quite the, the theme coming through this quite often is Brian Moore sort of taking the piss out of himself a little bit because there's a lot of clips of Brian Moore doing shit out three and then in like half jokingly saying it was and all then being fine. Like, oh, was... I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know? when he knows, and yeah. then he sort of to end it out as if he sort of in a sort of weird attempt to be like it's all in good fun. Uh, we just get a full 30-second clip of Brian Moore playing some weird game on Noel's house oh, party where God, he's in a yeah. glass box with a load of cash. Which was, I'm it assuming ends. it was a celebrity thing on where you, if you, whatever money yeah. the celeb caught, you got to keep. Yeah. 
Although, you know, it was pre He says, let me just show you so here something that... that just, maybe people... that was just how he needed the money. And he know? said, you know, let me just show you that some people do anything to get on TV. And then it was a yeah. full, like, 30 seconds of just the yeah, clip of that. full 30 seconds of Brian Moore on Noel's house party. Grab a grand, that's what it was Grab called. Grab a grand. Fuck me, that's... God knows where I pulled that from. <laughs> well yeah. done. So, Jesus. Grab a um, grand, the gunge tank, it was all in there, yeah. wasn't it? Television. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's Brian Moore in a glass box trying to catch... Trying to where there's wind blowing a crystal maze style. Yeah. There's wind blowing up, and he's trying to catch a grand's worth of cash. And we get the full thing. We get absolutely no context, and then it ends. It's and he says, so... "I'm gonna have a beer now." And then yeah, which no, you're not, Brian. You're going back to work. <laughs> Fasten your tie up because you're already late for your afternoon hearing. Yeah. Well, there is a weird cut at the end. In the I think it's in the top ten. There's a weird cut where. It cuts to a really brief, and it's only like half a second. There's a shot of Brian's, like the back of Brian's head as he's tucking into a massive sports cafe burger. Which, yeah. And there is, and there's two people on this that are credited with catering. So I don't know whether they're just <laughs> the people who are working behind the fucking bar in the, in the sports cafe. <laughs> people who ran round to the Tesco to get some butties. The, um, <laughs> However, there is in the credits, and I, this, I don't know why this fascinated me, but it did. There is a credited rugby consultant. Oh, say, yes, the rugby consultant. So one, the best what? And then two, <laughs> his name is Chuck Bartron. <laughs> so I searched Chuck Bartron yes. on Google, and all I found was a landscape gardener. So whether these things that he's on, or he might have been the same guy. I searched Chuck Bartron rugby, nothing, not a thing. Is it an anagram, do you think? Maybe. I mean, there's a Charles Bartram who's the owner of an engineering company in Durham. Is that Bartron? Because that's what his name is. Bartran or Bartron? Bartron. Oh, right. Like Barton, but with an R. Have you with me? Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't exist, um, so not a chance. No. I mean, he's a landscape gardener in Ontario. Yes, I don't think that's the same. Well, then he is called Chuck. Maybe he was a rugby player, Canadian rugby player. Yeah, maybe. There can't be many British people. There's not many British people called Chuck Barton who know about rugby, is there? There's no rugby rugby <laughs> union people Chuck called Barton, Chuck. Or if you were, if you now call yourself Charlie Barton, maybe. Yeah. Because Chuck, you were just going through a sort of 90s Americophile period and you wanted to be called Chuck. Yeah. You know, just let us know, get in touch. So that's the end of that then. It's quite boring. I wouldn't go out of your way to it's watch really, it, I, honestly. I genuinely, yeah. I mean, I... I I'd say it's worth watching like the first five minutes just for what a the glorious artifact, 90s, yes. 90s artifact that it is. Um, but yeah, the full 44 minutes is fucking... Uh, I, I, I honestly, I planned to watch volume two to see if it was any different. And aside from the fact that they've made even less effort because he's not even in a sports cafe for volume two. He's literally in the fucking edit suite of wherever they've made it <laughs> with a fucking... A, two massive 1990s CRT monitors and an avid fucking keyboard in front of him holding the video and then basically railing once again against the stuffy RFU committee, which, yeah, you know, fair play. But uh, I don't think, I don't think I've got, and that one's an hour. I don't think I've got an hour of even a quality biff in there. Really haven't. Uh, 
Shit good, finish yeah. off, yeah. Sam Marsh Definitely. gets in touch. Hello, Sam. He says, good was Cammy Black's review of Darcy Graham's dad on Gladiators in 1997. That's a spectacular episode, by the way. And Well, we would say that because that could not be more in our wheelhouse, could it? So, I mean, is there going to be a point where we, me and you should watch uh, Gladiator, that Gladiators with Wesley Two Scoops Berry? That was the it? World Championship Gladiators when he brought yeah, yeah, it was, all yeah. over. We're going to have to, aren't we, at some point. We're going to run yeah. out of this eventually, so... Yeah. Bruce McConaughey gets in touch. He says, Good is finally accepting the lockdown life and establishing a positive routine. Well, you're going to go somewhere, haven't you? He says, But shit is the only entertaining thing to happen all week was when my daughter ate a daffodil. <laughs> it's, isn't it? Well, it's amazing what people do to try and be Welsh, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. True, true. Aled Price gets in touch. He says, Good is the Ospreys' ultimate 23 was voted on over the last few weeks. Uh, it's pretty good. He it's says even if Tia Tia should be starting and not coming off the bench. Uh, I agree. But in terms of, yeah, it's it really does demonstrate that the Ospreys have been by quite some distance the best team in Wales for the last 20 years. However, there's nobody that's currently there in that <laughs> team. <laughs> Actually, Alan Wynn is and Tipperick is, but like, there's a lot of... Glory, 2007 yeah. to 2012, Glory Day stuff going on. But even on more than ever, the past is all we have now. 100%, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, me thinking about the the halcyon days of a fucking back row of Jerry Collins, Ryan Jones, and Marty Holler are kind of, just, they're <laughs> as real as anything else in rugby is right now. Just pretend that's the time it actually is now, because time is now yeah. irrelevant, as we've established. Yeah. Um, right, uh, and it's made a lot of people really angry, which is funny as well. Uh, people basically sort of saying that Shane Williams doesn't belong in the ultimate Welsh regional team of the regional era, which is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> Matt uh, Matt H gets in touch. He says, "Good is the this outstanding prop try from the archives by Sawani Tongawea." Oh, it's, it's a, a beautiful. It's a beauty. I think we we you, most people probably seen it because it is a legendary one. But he gets it wide left and pumps his legs and does a prop it. In, dummy, and out, and handoff to go in the corner and score. <laughs> it's beautiful. He said, shit, is the Aussie old boys up to their old tricks again? Yes, covered that a bit. Uh, shit, Rob Warlow says, shit, is the officiating in the Welsh Premiership Virtual Cup. <coughs> this ref must have been is that awful. Thing? I don't even know what that is. Christ. Uh, Border Badger says, good, is the various unions streaming both club and international games, which is a wee fix for us who miss watching the games together. Yeah, it is, actually. At least there is something you can yeah. congregate around, isn't it? Um, Nix Johnson says, is good, is that Beaumont versus Pichot is almost as entertaining as a proper rugby match. She says, it's not, obviously, but it's desperate times. It's... Yeah, it's not, is it? That's the thing. We can try and say, oh, the off-field stuff. And we do, you know, it's it's really interesting how often on this podcast we waste so much time talking about off-field things mm. as if they're in any way interesting, where all this lockdown has demonstrated to me really is that... That's all people want from us. Mu- <laughs> rugby is much more interesting, much more fucking interesting <laughs> yes, than anything else. We can be sniffy about it sometimes, but oh my yes. God, I want it back so much. Oh, so I miss you. Uh, Bailey in Aurora gets in touch and says that shit is the whole situation with Bigger that's a club not damn Bigger Yeah, having won National 1 in Scotland before the lockdown and now won't get promoted due to the SRU calling the season null and void mm. I think the trouble is though is that had the people above them already been 
relegated. If you have you got enough points to be promoted already, that's one thing. But if who you're replacing could still fight for their place, it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, there are no good fucking situations at the moment. You know, it's there. There are no satisfactory ways of of no. rounding all this stuff up. Dave Price says that shit is that suit that Brian Moore was wearing in that YouTube video. Yep. And why was it filmed yeah. in a branch of TGI Fridays? It wasn't. It was a sports cafe, Dave. Sports wasn't it? cafe. Because of cause sport. That's why. Patricia yeah. gets in touch. She says, shit is James Cronin's situation. What a farce. Yeah. Yes. Peebles elbow. Oh, he's talked about bigger. Anyway, moving on. Under the Frog says, shit, let's face it, the potential collapse of professional rugby as we know it. I mean, yeah. Let's be honest. Be interesting though, isn't it? Well, this is the this is the thing, isn't it? Whatever happens, it's gonna have to be something pretty fucking radical. I tell you what'll happen: Leicester will start fucking winning again somehow. That's what'll happen. <laughs> That's what awaits us. I mean, I would find that weirdly comforting in a strange <laughs> yes, sort of. Yes, I know what you mean. You know. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want it, can, it, but it does make me feel if, secure. If it can go back to the days of you know the Ospreys and Leicester smashing it out in the Heineken Cup then I'd be quite happy, you know. It's better than the alternative, which at the moment is nothing. Owen Glendor gets in touch and he says, shit is the shoes that Show and Beaumont were wearing in a photo. Oh, okay. so bad. What, so Beaumont's in pissy tramp slip-ons and Show's got a full suit and fuck and, tra- and cunts trick trainers. Uh, Owen Glendor <laughs> says it. They are very P-show's bad got trainers. Pichot's all the way, like, in a, in a sort of really lame way, Pichot's fucking calling card is that he always wears fucking bright white trainers with a suit whenever he's at these It's the Michael Bublé thing, isn't it? When Bublé came out, he did a suit, but with Converse. It was like, oh, yeah. yeah, It's like a wantonly sort of trying to show that, oh, yeah, I'm not like these stuffy, like, I'm not like these stuffy fucking committee types. I'm a cool dude that wears wears trainers with with this suit like it's 1997. Like, like like Scorpio and the Simpsons. <laughs> I was the first that. wealthy man in America to wear jeans and a sport coat. Now they all do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else have we got here then? Andy and Brum gets in touch. He said, shit is the weather. He says, it'll probably be yeah. wet when this all finishes. Yeah, you're right. He says, but good well, is the, R- the RAF able to practice landing at airports they wouldn't normally do. Okay. So therefore, he says the key, the the key, this keeps the plane spotter nerding me very happy, and he even provided a picture of a plane. He did. I saw a plane go over my house yesterday, and I got very vaguely excited because I haven't was seen it one. Was an airline fucking... plane or what? Uh, it was. It was high enough that it was leaving a fucking chemtrail. You know, <laughs> steady. Yeah, I've gone. I've gone full conspiracy theorist over the course of this lockdown. Obviously, I'm. Uh... Adam Reese says that good is the fact that he's been listening to that loving feeling thirty all time greats volume two on vinyl all afternoon. <laughs> I mean, whatever keeps you happy. <laughs> that would have been better than watching what we've watched. I reckon. It absolutely fucking was. Better Honestly, or worse than the Brighton Miracle this week. I mean, narratively worse, definitely. Like, the writing is worse, which is saying a lot. Um, this at least made... This at least knew what it was. It knew it was a fucking low-rent rugby punch-ups DVD slash VHS. Mm. 
and it never had any pretensions of being a documentary, a feature film, a weird sort of farce thing. You know, it it was true to itself. It was what it was. You knew exactly what you were buying for your seven quid in the in the garage. Yeah, you know that wasn't very good. Don't get me wrong; (laughs) it was not entertaining, but at least it knew what it was. David Williams gets in touch. He says, "I don't I don't know your opinions on Fleetwood Mac and rumors, but what are your opinions on Fleetwood Mac and rumors?" Before we get into this, I mean, you know, it's classic. I can't deny that they're a classic band, but and a sense of there's got some absolute classics there. But there, I mean, there's a lot of pricks in that band, aren't there? Oh. Let's not in the bush. Let's let's, let's 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 be quite clear about this, right? Mick Fleetwood <laughs> is the jammiest twat that's ever existed in fucking music. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to get in a band with fucking. <laughs> He's a, a semi-reasonable <laughs> fucking drummer who basically had Peter Green. Peter Green went yeah. loopy, so we moved to America and then found fucking Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks and just played drums yeah. behind them instead. <laughs> the jammy fucker. And somehow it's his band. I know, yeah. How does that fucking work out? I know he just lives in the Caribbean working, wearing purple flat caps and probably being well Brexit. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. David Williams Rubus, says... Though, is a fucking banging album. Yeah, anyway, he says, David Williams says that shit is that Songbird comes between two bangers. But good is that listening on vinyl and realising that's the end of the first side, so you can flip it over and the chain's on the second side. The chain is a banger. chain is a fucking banger. How how many years old were you before you realised that the chain was actually a song in itself and not the Formula One music off the BBC? (laughs) I was probably about... I I reckon I was about 15. I was about 15. I reckon I was in my 20s. Easy. Uh, Ten Ep says, shit is my hair, which has gone past Dennis Hickey, Father Jack, and is now heading towards Art Garfunkel. <laughs> Painful <laughs> stuff for you. I feel it. I've taken... You've, you've, had, you've given yourself a, a trim this week. Well, I have, and my wife has. She's used my wow. beard trimmer yeah. to trim up the sides and then got the kitchen scissors on the top. And I've said, whatever it looks like, I don't care, because I'm not going anywhere. And when I'm on Microsoft yeah. Teams, I've got my big headphones <laughs> on anyway, so nobody can yeah. really see it, so I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I took the sort of the softy softly approach about three weeks ago and had a sort of slight trim, but now I need another one. So it's kind of like, do I want to keep doing this every three weeks throughout the lockdown, or do I just go for a fucking proper haircut this time and run the risk? You know, it's. Would you go for the full bone? Oh fuck no, no, I'd be worried. You know, I did, never the last time back. I did that, I was twenty-two years. I was 22 years old and I was drunk. I was just leaving uni and, and my mate did it. <laughs> and it was literally like, hello, this is my nose. I'm Lee and I'm stood behind it sort of thing with no hair. <laughs> I really need things to balance out my nose and ears. And it's, it's yeah. a lot of hair. I think I still, I still, like the last time I had really tight, close cropped hair, like I have it quite high, but like properly nearly down to the woods, sort of razor all over territory. It was probably when I stopped playing rugby, so about 14, 15, yeah. when I started growing it out and smoking weed. And ever since then, I've been afraid to go back, frankly. Yeah, it's, it's no place to go. My son did it to himself the other day because he bleached his hair then decided that he wanted to get rid of it so he's just going to get it boned and I was like please don't do it don't do it because you've no idea how bad you're going to look and he went and did it anyway <laughs> and he looked great because he's got he's huh. much finer featured than me and I was like oh fair dues mate yeah sorry I ever yeah. doubted you you <laughs> handsome bastard have you, why have you bought more Stella <laughs> anyway 
That'll do us, I think, won't it? I think so. I think yeah. so, I mean, yes. We managed to talk for nearly two hours about a 45 minutes. 95 minute. minutes. To be fair, we didn't actually yeah. start on the DVD until nearly an hour because of all the pop culture. So, <laughs> To be anyway, fair, that's more than it deserves. I hope this finds you all well and continues to find you as well as you can be. And we will speak to you all soon. And we'll try and think of something for next week. Anyone got any ideas? Please tell us. We're not yeah, proud. Send them over. We'll speak to you soon. Take care. Ta-da. These days, everybody wants to be green. I'm not talking about selfies with your favourite houseplant or fair-weather football fans. Come on, you boys in green. I'm talking frank and honest coffee. Sustainably made, supporting local jobs and communities. We are guaranteed Irish and a genuinely greener choice. Frank and honest. You can't fake great-tasting coffee. Available in Centra and Super Value stores nationwide. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.